if you're able to turn to about two or three people and give them a high five tell them you're in the right place at the right time serving the right God hallelujah if you've got your Bibles I just want you to open up to Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1 and before service before a couple of weeks ago when your pastor asked me to come I told him I said there's been a message that God's been rolling over there's been some scripture that God's been rolling over in our heart in this season and I said is it okay if I share this as I shared it he began to tell me that he said that word is more prophetic than what you understand and so I'm believing that God has a word for you tonight amen amen okay listen I'm gonna tell you right now I'm gonna talk to you I'm gonna scream and shout I need you to scream and shout back so we can get through this amen right I'm making sure I'm in the right place and so I'm so excited to share with you tonight everybody say if you got a pen and a paper and you got your neighbor's arm I don't care let's just write this down because here's what we say at flood church we say if we are if we are important enough for the word to get to us God's important enough for us to record it amen Listen, I'm married and I got a wife and she tells me to pay them bills and to do stuff and she asks me, she circles back and says, did you do it? And I say, I don't know. So what I do oftentimes is I use my phone and I write it down in the notes, amen? So if you got some notes, if you got a place to write it, I need you to write this down. Everybody say the promise. Come on, say it with me, say the promise. We're going to talk about in Joshua chapter 1, and we're going to go through, and I'm briefly going to touch on these chapters, Joshua chapter 1 through Joshua chapter 6. And we're going to talk about this word called the promise. And in these chapters, here's what I'm going to ask you to do, is I'm going to ask you to spend your own time, go in the word and begin to read it. These are short chapters. These are power-packed chapters. But as you begin to read it, it's going to challenge you. And it's going to show you some things about what the Lord is trying to get into your life. And so we're going to read this real quick. If you can stand with me as we read I'm going to be brief I'm going to be short but we're going to read this word in Joshua chapter 1 if you got your Bibles I'm going to ask you to open this up and I'm going to read this along read along with me as we go through come on ready read in Joshua chapter 1 verse 1 it says then the Lord spoke to Joshua the son of Nun Moses assistant saying Moses my servant is dead now therefore arise and go over this river Jordan, and you and all the people, and to the land which I am giving them, to all this people, uh, the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon I have given you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness, and, uh, excuse me, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, river the Euphrates, and the land of the Hittites, and the land of the great sea, towards the growing down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Listen, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you, and I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for this people shall, shall, you, shall you divide as an inheritance to the land in which I swore their fathers to give them, verse 7, only to be 
strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Verse 8, and this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. And for then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage and do not be afraid nor dismayed for God is with you wherever you go. May the Lord add his blessing to his word. You may be seated. So we pick up with Joshua. And Joshua being the understudy of a man who had led a group of people out of Egypt. Egypt in the scripture in this context is depicted as the world or the place where it was they were in slavery. And slavery in our understanding now, as scripture says, now we are no longer a slave to sin. And so in that context, they're leaving this place of the world. And as they begin to go, listen, they're going towards a promise. The place in which God had promised the Israelites, God's chosen people, that he had provided for them. Check this out. In the Old Testament, the promise was a geographical location. It was a place where you could put your finger on the map and locate. It was called Canaan. And this was a place that he had promised and told them to go. In verse 1 of this chapter, he says, and you're going to have to go over the river Jordan to get to the place in which I have provided you. Listen, what God's trying to get us to understand, listen, that at the doorway of every promise is an obstacle. I need you to hear that. At the doorway of everything that God has promised you is always an obstacle. In the Old Testament, when we look at the King David, he had an obstacle called a giant. He was called to be a king, but there was a giant that was a tension-giving situation that opened the door to his kingship. On the other side of every tension, hear me, is there is a provision in which God has called you to called promise. And what the promise looks like in your life, hear me, what the promise is in your life, it is a word of God given to the children of God, listen, that you readily receive as truth. I need you to write that down. What a promise is, is a word of God given to the children of God that you begin to receive as truth. So what happens is God begins to declare some things in your life, just like some of you who say, listen, I've got a child and I've got a kid in my life who, who I birthed, and God said they're going to be in church and they're going to grow up and they're going to proclaim the good news of the gospel. And what life begins to look like is you begin to see the obstacles. And what happens when you see the obstacles, hear me, is that we become chief understanders of the obstacles and we Google it and we find out about it and we spend zero time I'm finding out how good God is and how he delivers us from every situation. We study the obstacle without studying the king. And so what enters is anxiety and, and, and no peace because we've been studying and Googling about the giant. Because when you look in scripture, the giant begins to declare, hey, you, who are you, Philistine? Who are you, Israelites? I'm about to kill you. Send down your king and I'll destroy him. We know about the giant. We say he's nine feet tall. And he's got a long spear, and his spear's head weighs this much. And he's got on brass 
he's got on brass on his waist and brass on his shins. And, but then we spend no time finding out about what God says about the giant. And he says, greater is he who is in you than he who's in the world. And he says, you're more than a conqueror through me. See, we study about the giant without hearing the voice of God because the most powerful being on earth is a child of God who hears the voice of God because now the enemy succumbs to the child who knows who they are. The enemy always, listen, what he tries to do is he tries to keep you out of a place where you know about who you are and whose you are, so therefore you have no access to the kingdom because the kingdom is trying to produce a system in you where you live above the means in which the enemy tries to put on your life. This is why when my, my daughter was sick in the hospital when she was first born, I didn't settle for the response and the report of the doctor. When the doctor said, you gotta have my, your child's got to stay here and she can't leave with you when you go home, my wife and I looked and we're sitting in the room. And we said, okay, thank you, I appreciate for your report. Listen. And the Bible says that we take everything and we subject it to the word of God. So every, listen, every situation that you have, here's what we do in the, world, in, in, in the children of God. We oftentimes don't go and find out because we're afraid of the doctor's report. And we go, I don't want to go to the doctor because I don't want to get a bad report. That's not faith, that's fear. Because what faith does, he goes right up to the enemy and he says, what do you say about me? And you get that thing and you say, thank you doctor, I appreciate it. Because now every name that is named has to bow a knee to the name of Jesus Christ. So the moment you gave that thing a name, I was able to take that thing and I said to God, God, here's what my situation said. Here's what the doctor says, but what do you say? What God's trying to get you to do is not be afraid and live in fear. And he goes, go and find out what the situation's saying. Go straight up to the doctor. Say, doctor, what do you say that I got? Then afterwards, thank him. I appreciate you for doing what you do. Now I have this information, and now I know how to take the word of God, and I know how to take that thing and subject it to the power of God. So therefore, it now no longer renders any fear in my life. It no longer renders any anxiety in my life. It no longer has the effect that it used to have. So Joshua, being the understudy of Moses, inherits a group of people of promise. And as he inherits a group of people of promise, what happens in that moment is he takes over a group of people that already had a destiny and they already had a promise. And what God will do, if you, if you have your pen and paper, I need you to write this down, point number one in chapter one of this, what God will do, listen, is he will always reiterate his promise. And what you have to do is go to the place of reiteration often. What we do oftentimes is we go get a promise from a location when we're in our closet praying with God, and then we never return back to the place of conversation. And when you never return back to the place of conversation, God has no opportunity to reiterate what he says the first time. So when you go back to the place of conversation, what God will do is he will reaffirm. Let me show you what I'm talking about. In Joshua chapter 1, when you read it, he begins to say in Joshua chapter 1, he says, listen, this I, I was with Moses, and I will always be with you. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. 
but you shall meditate it on it day and night, that you may observe to do it, all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous. I need you to write this down. I will make my way prosperous. Here's the point. God's trying to get you to realize it's not him that's making your way prosperous. Listen. We oftentimes think it's God. Listen. God has set up a principle of operating system in the kingdom. He created a kingdom. This is why Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. What the kingdom is, it is an operating system, a governing system of heaven. So what God provides, he provides a principal operating system in which his children have access to. So now when he says this, he goes, now when you keep the word of the Lord or the law in your mouth, check this out, you will make your way prosperous. As you stay in the word, the reason why we don't make our way prosperous is because oftentimes we don't know the way because we're not in the word. Listen, here's what we say. We say, God, you're going to do it in your, your timing. One day God's going to, listen, I remember when I was single and I said, God, one day you're going to provide me a wife. I was doing ministry by myself. I said, okay, God, you're going to provide me a wife. And what God began to show me is, he's, I said, God, in your timing. Listen, I began to realize God doesn't have an Apple Watch. We do. So God created time, listen, so he's not governed by what he created. He's above it. Listen. So what God began to show me was, he said this, seek first the kingdom. So I said, God, what do you mean by seek first the kingdom? He's saying it like this. Listen, as I stand here and the kingdom is over there, as I seek first the kingdom and I make my way towards what God has planned for my life and what he's told me about my life and what he's beginning to show me about my life, listen, everything that was meant for your life is on that path. As you seek first the kingdom, you can't help but run into every single thing that he had planned for you. Your job's on that path. Your spouse is on that path. Your children are on that path. So he says, seek first the kingdom. Yes, it's in my timing, but will you pursue me? Yes, it's in my timing, but my timing is, is considered mendable or malleable because if you don't pursue me, you never get what I purpose for your life. Listen, the proof of what you want is in how you pursue it. I say I want something, but if I don't pursue it, that's an indication of what you really want. The proof of what you want is, are you, are you willing to? And so when I began to read that word going, God, seek first the kingdom, what do you mean? He's going, listen, as you seek first the kingdom, you make your way prosperous. Have you ever met somebody who go, man, that person's just always blessed. I can't help but stand but see them continually get always blessed. What are they doing? They are staying in the path of kingdom. They are staying on route to the road of kingdom. And what God keeps doing is he keeps aligning situations for their life. In Joshua chapter 1, he says, you'll make your way successful. He says, I got to reiterate the word. As Joshua was going, he heard the word about what Moses had. And then he, he began to hear the word reiterated over his life. In chapter 2, in Joshua chapter 2, this is the portion where God says, I have provision for the promise. 
Some of us have a promise, and we're going, God, I need you to show up and do something in my life. You told me about this situation. I'm Hear me? I'm waiting, God, for you to show up and to do something. God, I'm waiting for you, you to change the situation for my life. And he goes, listen, as you seek first the kingdom, as you pursue me, what I've got for you if I've got provision for the promise. In chapter 2, there was a woman named Rahab. And what happened was they began to send spies into the camp of Canaan to begin to spy out the promised land. And as they were spying out the promised land, the king heard about the spies that were in the city. So he sent people to kill the spies. And what did Rahab do? Rahab, who was a harlot, she was a prostitute. What did she do? She took in the promise and protected it for a season so that when the king began to ask that, hey, where is that? Where are the, the, the spies? She said, I don't know, king, where they went. They must have slipped away at night. Listen, what your promise is waiting on, there are things that are in the waiting that don't get activated until you pursue. Listen, Rahab is mentioned there and there only. And the only reason why she is mentioned is because they began to pursue. And what you will see is there are things that are waiting for you when you get in action. We say, God, I'm waiting. And our waited position is a seated position. Our waiting position is, God, I'm waiting. God, when you do it, I'll be here. I've been waiting for years. We all know somebody like that. God, I've been waiting for years. And when you begin to wait on God in an active way, listen, the waiting looks like, God, what would you have me to do today? The waiting begins to look like, God, who would you have me to pray for today? God, who would you have me to give something to today? God, who would you? And therefore, then he provides. It's called the miracle in the mission. Just like the disciples when they were giving away the bread and the fish. As they began to give away, they were in the place to begin to see the miracle. As they are standing right next to it, it's in front of them. Why? Because they waited for God in an active posture. They wait. Here's what God's waiting for us to do. He's waiting for us to wait on him in an active posture, saying, God, what would you have me to do next? I'm waiting, but God, while I'm waiting, God, I'm going to serve your people. God, I'm waiting, God, but I'm, I'm going to serve the children that live near me and live around me. God, I'm waiting, but I'm going to serve people on my job. God's waiting for you to be in an active posture. Listen. Can I tell you something that your children are waiting for you to be in an active posture? Listen, your family's waiting for you to be in an active posture. Because as you begin to hear me, as you begin to into kingdom, listen, everything around you adjust because they begin to notice the spirit of God that is in activity around them. Therefore, they will begin to adjust to the culture that you pursue. My kids pray for one another. We were in service this past weekend and my kids who were four and six began to come up to a, an, a senior woman who's in our services and she began, they began to lay hands on her. And pray, God, I thank you for healing in her body. Why? Because they saw my wife and I waiting in an active position. My son's here this evening, and he's sitting right here on the front row. Why? 
because he saw our family waiting in an active position. Listen, your generations are waiting for you to wait in an active position. As you create a culture of an active position, what they do is as they begin to serve, because Jesus is always serving people. So when you begin to serve and wait in an active position, your family begins to meet Jesus. Why? Because they're in proximity of his voice. Why? Because he's always serving people. So when he's serving people, they're in proximity to get a definition of who they are because Jesus knows them better than they know them, and Jesus knows you better than you know you, so when you get in conversation with him, you not only find out about him, but you find out about you. Because he knows every hair that's counted on your head. So when you get in position to actively wait, God says you begin to find out who I am. In chapter 3, in Joshua chapter 3, listen, it is the pointing to the presence. Here's, here's the part that God began to show me. In Joshua chapter 2, so it was after three days that the officers went through the camp that they commanded the people saying, when you, hear me, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, when you see the Ark of the Lord and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. I'm grateful. Listen, I'm grateful to be in a house on a Wednesday night to see people who go after the ark. I'm grateful to see people who recognize when the Spirit of God walks into a room and they navigate a place where they say, I'm not in a hurry, but I just want to get hold of Jesus. Here's what we say at Flood Church. We say, I don't have the words to change you, but I know the man who can. And I want to take you to a place that you encounter the Spirit of God and the presence of God because just like this scripture, when the ark moves, you don't make no mistake, you don't make no excuses, but you move after the ark when the presence of God is here you follow presence he said make space for the present hear me your promise will die without presence listen the promise that God has given you will die without the incubation stages and places of the presence of God because God gave you that. So as you pursue presence, hear me, somebody who's in a situation where your promise is beginning to wane and has been growing dim, and you said, God, my marriage is going, you said, God, my marriage was supposed to be restored. God, you said my children were supposed to be in the house of God. God, you said my job. So what happens is when you get away from presence and the space in which he gave you the word, your promise dies. Your promise grows dim. Your promise begins to be a place that was a wish upon a star that you said, well, I thought God said this to me, and I thought God said this about my family, and I thought this was accurate, but because I was not in the place of the ark, the promises of God began to grow dim. God said, "Go, always go through the protocols to get to my presence. Don't be afraid of the protocols. What God does in these moments is 
he begins to remind you of things that are separating you from him. He begins to show you, and what the kingdom will do is it will allow you to see the shortcomings in your life. And he's not, listen, he's not trying to be rude, and he's not trying to be mean. Just like when he says, seek first the kingdom. When I got on a flight this evening, as I came here, what I did was I began to Google and look at the weather, because I'm from Florida. And it's hot. Yes, I grew up in Ohio. I'm a Dayton kid. Anybody from Dayton in here? Two, three, bless God. I was waiting, bless God. So as I, as I now live in Florida, I had to look what the weather was going to be like. Because I don't got no jacket no more. You know what I'm talking about? I live in southern Florida where you sweat by breathing when you walk outside. So you go outside. <sighs> you sweat by just living outside. So I, I had to Google. I got on my app, and I looked at what the weather was going to be like. And I began, listen, I began to investigate, and I began to prepare for where I was headed. How do you seek first the kingdom? Listen, you investigate and you prepare everything for where you're headed. You investigate, what does kingdom look like? What does the principles and the laws of heaven look like? What do the things, and this is why you have the audacity to begin to pray for your kids when they're sick. As you know, I live underneath a new law, and in the law of kingdom, the things of sickness don't have space to, to live. So now I apply that law to the situation, and it changes. So what happens is you begin to investigate, and in your investigation, hear me, you get new revelation. And as you get new revelation, it begins to provide a new space of existence for your kids and for your family. And now as you're on your job, it begins to make you not worry when the boss says, hey, I can't give you a check this week. Oh, well, you're not my provider, goddess. And I know that God's going to figure out a way to get it to me. I'm not worried. Why? Because I live in a new system. See, the system of heaven, when I live underneath the kingdom, the king takes care of his subjects. Listen. Because when you live in the dependency of the king, hear me very carefully, the king always provides for his subjects. And when you live out of dependency and you live in independency, now you are only able to get what your hands can do. But if you now go underneath the kingdom, and this is what God's trying to get you to do, is realize the laws of kingdom. So when I was on the flight, I began to take my carry-on luggage and I set it on the thing and it weighed out. If my carry-on was going to cost more, it was going to, it was going to be over the weight and it would cost me more money. And I would be like, okay, I'll give you the money. It what God's trying to get you to see, listen, is he's trying to get you to understand the things that operate in the system of the kingdom. So he says, you can't take that on this flight. You can't bring that with you. Why? Because it can't survive in kingdom. He's not trying to be rude or mad. He's trying to get you to live successfully under the place of dependency so he can get everything to you. 
When you live successfully in the place of dependency, God goes, oh, hold on. I got every cattle on a thousand hills. You don't got to worry about that situation. When you live in the dependency of kingdom, he says, by my stripes, you were healed, you are healed, you stay healed. Why? Because you live in kingdom. It's a law that he's already provided. Healing is a system of operation in the kingdom, just like on earth where we have a system called flight or a system called lift. And what the enemy's trying to keep you out of is he's keeping you out of the understanding of the kingdom because when you live in understanding of the kingdom, you operate in a law that he has to bow a knee to. You operate in a law that he can't touch. This is why the Bible says resist the devil. And he has to flee. Because you wear a badge. And you are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. So therefore he can't come near you. All he can do is get you to believe a lie. And when you believe a lie, you now start living out of kingdom. And living in this place of, I got to figure out something. I got to, he's trying to get you out of the covering. If he can get you out of the covering... This is why scripture says that he walks around seeking whom he may, not who he can. Listen, it's in scripture, who he may. In Joshua chapter 4, we begin to see, listen, as I wrap this up tonight, we begin to see in the promise it's the the remembrance of the promise. In Joshua chapter 4 and verse 7, it says, Then you shall answer them that the water you shall answer them that the waters were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when you crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. Listen. This water was a water that parted. It says that the water parted and it rose up in a heap. And as it rose up in a heap in chapter 3, it says this, that God gathered all, that Joshua gathered all of the Levites. And the priests and the Levites were God's covenant people. They, they led the generation. They led the people. And the Bible begins to depict in chapter 3 where the Levites took their toes. It says they took their feet and they put them in the water. And it says as they put their feet in the water, the water parted. And what God began to show me in these moments is, listen, as you live in remembrance of the word, and as you live in the place where the word of God is in your life and in your heart, listen, as I asked God, I said, God, why did you have the priests get in the water? Why did they put their feet in the water? He said, when you get saved and you commit your life to me, the reason why it's a continual process, listen, he said, because I want everything that leads the decision-making in your life. Listen. I need every decision-making element in your life. This is why it's a continual process. It's because you will make decisions based on elements and things in your life. So what does he do? He says, I need all of them. And when all of them get in line, you begin to naturally, actively see the miracle of what I'm doing in your life. 
This is why he keeps going, okay, we got that thing, let's go to the next thing. We got that thing, okay, let's go to the next thing. We got that thing, okay, let's go to the next thing. Why? Because he wants you to begin to see the promise of provision and to see his miracle capability in your life. So he says, I need you to remember, what did they do? They picked up stones from the water. And when they got the stones out of the water, they carried them with them as a remembrance. In Joshua chapter 5, i got to show you this. I need you guys to go back and read these things. In Joshua chapter 5, the last portion I'm going to show you, we'll leave. In Joshua chapter 5, it says this, And all the people that came out had been circumcised, and all the people were born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt. He said they had not. The Israelites had moved in in the wilderness 40 years until the men who were, in the military, who were of military age in Egypt, they died. Since they had not obeyed the Lord. Here's what the Lord showed me. Listen. God has a tool. His tool is called holiness. Listen. What holiness will do is it is a tool that is used to separate. Because Jesus said, be holy because I am holy. What is he saying? Be separate. Be divided. Be different. Because I'm different. So what happens when you begin to separate, hear me, there are things in your life that if you use the tool of holiness, you won't even have to speak to it, it'll fall off. Listen, there are people in your life that if you begin to walk in holiness, you don't even have to tell them a thing, they'll leave. Listen. There are situations in your life that are waiting for you to use the tool of holiness because when you live in the promise of God and you live a separate life, you won't have to tell that person that you don't do that anymore. You don't have to tell that person that you won't go there anymore. You don't have to tell that situation that it's got to change because God has been waiting for you to walk in holiness. All of a sudden, the things that can't go with you into the promised land of God, the things that can't go with you into the ark of the covenant they fall off and they go i, I can't I, that's too rich for my blood god says i'm going to use listen god says i'm using the tool of holiness as a separation tool and this was a word that god gave me for you two specifically he said i'm going to use listen i'm going to use the tool of holiness to separate and what it's going to do is you're going to create a space listen and god said i've got a weight for you he used this word specifically, a weight on your life. That as you wait in me and on me, what's going to happen is from that quiet place, the weight that you're about to start walking in and the weight that's about to be on your life is going to be a separating weight. It's going to separate people who can walk with you and things that can walk with you and things that can't keep walking because he's going, I got a tool called holiness that's about to separate. God said, I've got a tool for you and await. He used this plain and simply. He said, the way that you wait in my presence will determine the weight that you use when you walk out of that. The way that you stay and the posture that you stay, it's going to set, set up a new weight in which you walk in out of that place. And what God's trying to get us to use, listen, there's a tool of holiness that God's going, I need you to start operating in this. Because I'm trying to separate some things. Here's why. Because what God will do, just like when you are heading into the Ark of the Covenant, when you're going into the private place of God, before he goes in there, he does a washing. 
And what God's doing right now, listen, he's doing a washing with the Spirit of God over the people of God. Why? Because of the preparation of the places that they're supposed to go to. The reason why the washing happens is not for the sake of the washing. It's for the sake of what's supposed to happen after the washing happens. This is why he washes. This is why God uses this space. And what God does, just like in the last chapter in Joshua chapter 6, God says, I'm, I'm reordering the thought process of my children. In Joshua chapter 6 in verse 1, it says this. It says that, that nothing could go in. Jericho was tightly shut up, it says. And it says that no, nothing came in. And nothing went out. It was the new definition of this word that we use called strongholds. Listen. And what happens in that place of a stronghold, listen, is no new information gets in and no old information gets out. And so what happens is as you get presented with information and things, you go, ah, but this can't change, and this can't look any different, and I can't get nothing new because I've always been in this place, and it's always looked like this. And the stronghold begins to fight against the Word of God. And God's Word begins to say, you can be delivered, and you can be set free, but because you have preconceived notion, no new information comes in, and no old information goes out. And what God's trying to do is he said, I'm trying to reframe your thinking. I'm trying to reframe because in the Old Testament, the promised land was a geographical location. Now, as it's a new, it's a new word of God that lives inside of you, the promise, the battlefield of the promise now takes place right between your ears. The battlefield of the promise of God takes place right here. Everybody say promise. What God wants us to begin to see is he's saying, I'm trying to activate something in you that was always there and that I never quit on, but that we forgot. That we left because we thought it wasn't possible. And in chapter 5, as I was reading it, it makes me so excited because when you read in chapter 5 of Joshua, Joshua comes up and he says, and he sees a man as they're getting ready to go into Jericho. And he says, are you with us or are you against us? And that man says, as the commander of the armies of God, he says, now, everybody say now. Now I've arrived. Before that now, as they, as they depict the man, it says they saw a man with sword drawn. Listen, the king is waiting to have sword drawn on your behalf. Listen, not a king who's sitting back or who's afraid, but who was right on the front lines with Joshua with the sword drawn to fight on the behalf of his promise. 